We're very privileged to have evangelist Alan Green, who's been uh, connected to us and introduced to us by a very dear friend who really doesn't need much introduction, but I'll ask uh, Mark Randall, evangelist Mark Randall to stand. Evangelist Mark Randall is uh, our colleague, a ministry partner, a friend. He's been living in Zambia for many years and we uh, have partnered in the work of evangelism and he's working with us in PLG at this moment and helping us in um, the initiative of digitalization, which we have set as one of our goals for the next few years. And so he's uh, the one running that project for us within PLG, but a very dear servant of the Lord and he'll be coming back to do more. Uh, but Ran Mark introduced us to um, uh, evangelist Alan Green, whom I would like to talk about in a little moment. Can we run that uh, video? They've been in Livingston. G&E, Global Network of Evangelists, a ministry of Luis Palau. We are here in Zambia on a collaborative outreach. We're faceless armies of evangelists that brings their gifts together to share the gospel. We just are all under one banner. It's Love Zambia here. There's at least 10 different USA ministries. With Christ in the center of our lives, it's like we come together, there's common ground. It's like we're family. We have uh, many churches in the Livingston area all coming together. It says how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Because unity does not mean looking the same. Unity means everyone bringing their gifts to the table to impact the kingdom. We've got the church in the whole area, all the churches coming together, and they're working together to try to win people to Jesus Christ. We're doing prisons, we're doing crusades. To go in this orphanage that was in the middle of nowhere, to see these children and young adults, and to bring hope. We're also doing some conferences. We did pastor's conference, women's conference, we've done a marriage conference, and we're doing a genie evangelism conference. We've basically been saturated in Livingston with the good news of Jesus Christ. Seeing men and women training evangelists, that is an exciting thing, because with these evangelists, we'll reach our city, we'll reach our country, we'll reach our continent. I surrendered my life to Jesus. I experienced the power of God at work in my life. He is present with you. Seven days, people flocking and just hearing the gospel being presented. Oh man, they're so hungry and attentive for the gospel. bottom line is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is shared, that people will get a chance to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we start this journey with them on discipleship. So once we leave, it's just not an event, it's a movement of the body of Christ. He sent his only son, Jesus. Counselors did a great job. Oh my, thank you so much for caring about your people and staying so late. And so we're all in it together. We're seeing the church revive, seeing Christians revive, pastors revive. 
you know, I love being on the go for Jesus. Uh, it's all I know, it's all I want to do until Jesus comes back. And working together in partnership with all these ministries, it really does help us do more faster, and we are better together. And everybody here knows it, and they notice it, and praise God, he's getting all the glory. Praise God, a big hand. So it's a privilege today to have evangelist Alan Green, uh, who, as you heard, currently serves as director of collaborative events for Luis Palau uh, Ministry, the global network of evangelists, and helps with training and equipping evangelists to reach the next generation. I've been involved with uh, the Luis Palau team uh, for a few years now, and uh, the last time they were here in Africa, in Malawi, um, some of you might remember, flew there to join them as that great crusade was, was happening. And uh, it's a great ministry, and I believe that uh, sometime we'll have them here in Lusaka. This time, they were in Livingstone. Now, uh, Evangelist Alan and his wife, uh, Vicky Green, Vicky, Vicky, Vicky Green, are founders of Lifelight Communications, a proclamation evangelistic ministry based in the U.S. And um, he comes with a heart to share the gospel. Uh, they have, um, their ministry best known as Lifelight is best known for a free Christian music festival which they do, which grew to be the largest in the country. And they share these outreaches, speaking in many, many locations, doing consulting work. They share the faith uh, within their own community and beyond. And they've taught the gospel uh, in more than 18 countries at the moment. So it's a joy for us to invite uh, evangelist Alan Green to come and minister God's word. Let me invite us to stand. And as, as we... As we pray for him, let me ask uh, Pastor uh, Reverend Katanga to come. Just come and pray for Evangelist Alan while they do this, setting you up. Yes. <laughs> and as we pray, please remember uh, Lisa, just for the information of everybody. Uh, maybe she's not here this morning. Uh, Thursday, Lisa was hospitalized briefly and released, but in the early hours of this morning, uh, she's still battling with the recurrence of, some of you will recall an infection that she battled with a year and a half ago. Looks like there's been that recurrence. But we've gone through the formalities. These days you want to eliminate everything else. Thank God this morning when we went back, we even got the, uh, the COVID test that had been done and it was negative. So that's been eliminated and they're doing more tests to find out exactly why this uh, condition is persistent. We're believing the Lord for a miracle, but do pray for her and uh, Mrs. Banda, Pastor Gladys, this morning. So, dear Lord, we stand in your presence this morning with everything, Lord, that we know, things that affect us in different words, in different levels, different depths. But we know the fact that you sit enthroned there's nothing beyond you, nothing you do not see, nothing that escapes the confines of the fact that you are God. And this morning we 
ascribe that honor and greatness to you as we sit here. First of all, Lord, to hear your word, the highly exalted word of God, the word that changes not, the word which you've said you were watching over it so you can do what you've sent it out for. And part of that sending out of your word is to heal your people. So we remember Lisa in the hospital right now. We pray, oh God, that the word of God will work, that is working already in our life, will bring her up again to stand strong on her feet, to do those things, Lord, that you have already planned for her life. So we condemn that sickness in her body in the name of Jesus to live, to live now. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Get well, Lisa. Um, let that presence of God stain everything around you. We pray for um, mom as she is uh, sitting around. Father, we pray peace for her. We pray a strength of the Lord to touch her also. We pray for the entire family, oh Lord. We thank you that Elisa is restored back to us in the name of the Lord. And thank you this morning, Lord, that we can sit now to hear your word. Thank you, Lord, for Evangelist Green. We thank you for um, how you have placed him to carry a word, to proclaim the love of God to nations so everyone could hear about that which God has done already. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May your name be exalted this morning. In Jesus' holy name, we thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated and we'll welcome those that are joining remotely. Enjoy the service as God's servant brings it, the word to us. Well, good morning, church. The video you just saw is worth giving God a, a hand clap, a praise. Okay. You see, we arrived here in Zambia, my first time in Zambia, but I've fallen in love with Zambia. Uh, I don't know if they have a picture with my wife and I, uh, but my wife, has. we've been planning for two years to come here, and then shortly before, a week before the trip, my wife fell and broke her foot and they said, you cannot put any weight on it. You cannot walk. And in the midst of that, she was taking care of her elderly parents, uh, her mom who's in a wheelchair and her dad who has some health issues and, and trying to line that up. But she wishes she could be here. Uh, if you would pray for her back home, and she is praying for us each and every minute today. Um, in Livingston, seven days of crusades plus outreach, marriage conferences, pastor's conference, evangelist conference, orphanages, out in the streets sharing the gospel. And the latest figures we heard is there's over 1,700 people that said yes to Jesus. We praise God for that. We praise God. You know, I come here today. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop Joshua. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it feels like home, honestly. I go to an Assembly of God church in the United States of America. I am part of the Luis Palau ministry. Luis Palau was an evangelist who went worldwide with the gospel. Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, Luis Palau, great men of God. Luis passed away a few weeks ago. 
I went home to be with Jesus, and every time he preached right before that, he would say, I am ready to be with Jesus. But he always told us that the next wave of evangelism was not going to be by a few big-name evangelists, but it was going to be thousands of evangelists, thousands of ordinary followers of Jesus who just say yes to the call, as even already your pastor has said, that evangelism is our assignment. And men and women... We don't worship the Jesus that the Muslims are trying to tell us to worship. We worship the Jesus of the Bible, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the soon coming King, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who revealed himself in his son, Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I do want to take a minute, though. I didn't realize this. I want to pray for you all and for the family of your music director Uh, The Bible says that we do mourn and we do grieve. Jesus even wept. It says, though, that in 1 Thessalonians, we do not grieve as those who have no hope because we have the hope of Jesus. Amen. So when someone would say about your choir director, your music director, you've lost your music director. No, he ain't lost. He's not lost. We know exactly where he is. He is in heaven. Okay, so while we mourn and we cherish the memories, we rejoice that he's in heaven with Jesus. That when he entered heaven, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when he entered heaven, Jesus opened his arms for him and said, welcome, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that the words we all long to hear? So this morning, I want to talk about Jesus Again, is it okay to talk about Jesus? Because Jesus changes everything. Let me hear you say it. Jesus changes everything. (laughs) Amen. So a little bit more about just who I am. I'm a husband, a father, and a grandfather. And the reason I wish my wife would have been here, uh, maybe Bishop Joshua feels a little bit the same way. I married way up. She's an incredible woman. Uh, We have been married... Catch this, in June of this year, we will be married 45 years. Yes, I know. So, and now, if my wife Vicki were sitting in the front row, she would go, quit telling them that. We are so old. (laughs) Because I I used to be able to do the joke. When we were married 30 years, I could say, you know, we got got married when we're 10 or 12, you know. But now, she said, if people do the math, it doesn't matter. We're still old, okay. (laughs) But I can tell you this, we never quit preaching Jesus and 60 or so is the new 40. That's what we say in evangelism. Amen. So, all right. So I want to take a minute. I want to talk about again who it is we worship. And it's timely that you mention what's been happening in the marketplace here with people putting up signs and saying, come and ask us about Jesus. Because it reminds me of being in Pakistan. I did a crusade festival in Pakistan. Yes, Pakistan, that country that's 97% Islamic. Now, this has been a few years back, but I'm going there again in May. But I remember when I preached in Pakistan, I stood up in front of a crowd, much like the crowds that we saw in Livingston. And I said to them through a translator, interpreter, I said, you know, there are religions all over the world. There are founders of those religions. But listen to me, all those founders of those religions, they've died. They all died. They're in the grave. They're gone. But not so with Jesus. Jesus died, and he shed his blood willingly for all people. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Amen? 
Amen. And he, he said he is here in the power of his Holy Spirit. And, he's, and then I said this to them. And this was hard. They said to me when I preached, do not mention, do not mention the word Muhammad. You might get killed, they said in this country. Be careful. I said, okay. But I said, all those founders of those religions, they've died. You need to reject all of that religion and you need to surrender your lives only to Jesus. It's only Jesus that can connect you to the Father. Only Jesus that can do that. Now listen, I didn't say this to them, but here's what I said. Here's what I say to others. Muhammad never claimed to be able to connect people to Jesus. Buddha never claimed to be able to connect people to, to God. I mean, only Jesus claimed to connect us with the Father. And the Father, because of his great love, he pursues us and he rescues us. So when I have conversations with Muslims, maybe sometimes in the street or in the country, I say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. And they go, oh, yes, oh, yes, I know about Jesus. I go, yes, you, you say he's a prophet. And they go, yeah, yes, he's a great prophet. I said, great teacher too, right? Yes, yes, great teacher. I said, oh, my friend, he is so much more than that. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. But he said that he was God himself. He said, I and the Father are one. He said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. And then I say to them, oh, my friend, I pray that he reveals himself to you. And many hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of Muslims worldwide are coming to Christ because Jesus is appearing to them. So in these days, I mean, we would have a vision that all of Zambia would hear the gospel. We would have a vision that we would go outside these walls and proclaim the goodness of God and the salvation found in Christ. And then we'll see the Holy Spirit go ahead of us. And it won't matter what strategy they have because Jesus changes everything. Amen? So as we prepare to look to God's word this morning, let's pray. God, I thank you. I praise you, Lord, that we have salvation that's found in Christ and Christ alone. I thank you for each and every person here in this church. I thank you, Lord, that they're a church that believes in the Bible. I thank you, Lord, that they have a leader who preaches the word. Lord, we grieve with them in the homegoing of their music and choir director. We pray that people will surround the family and this family of God. And Lord, that they will experience the comfort of your arms being around them as only you can do. Lord, we pray that we will heed your word this morning. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I have with me God's Word. Okay, now I also can look at the Word of God on my phone. We do that. Many, not just younger people anymore. It's really convenient to be able to look at your phone and have the Bible and download the apps and have all sorts of tools to do that. But I want to encourage you to also have a real Bible that you can look through the pages with. Okay, this is not just a book. This is not just, uh, it doesn't just contain God's word. This is the authority. This is the record. It's the holy inspired word of God. And so that's what I'll be preaching from this morning. And I'm telling you men and women, as followers of Christ, if we don't have the word and if we don't trust the word, then we have nothing. It's the word of God, the truth of God's word that changes everything. So if you're here today, you're part of the church, you're in the right place. 
If you're not part of the church, you're in the right place because you've come here to be with God's people who will put their loving arms around you. All over the world today, today is Sunday, right? The Lord's Day. All over the world, the church is gathering and worshiping. All over Africa, the church is gathering. In the United States of America, the church is gathering. In China, the church is gathering, sometimes in homes. In Asia, in South, South America, Latin America, the church is gathering. And when God sees the church, he sees one church, many congregations. The church, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? So we have this confidence. So three things before I get into this message about how Jesus changes everything. One, we are the church. The Bible says the word for church in Greek is ekklesia. It means two things. Ekklesia means God's people. Those that he's called out is his own. All over the world, those that have been rescued, that have surrendered their lives to Jesus. God's people. That's the first meaning. Second meaning is those who gather together. So even in this last year of a global pandemic, it's the same all over the world. There's anxiety, there's fear. There's been a global pandemic. And we rebuke it in Jesus' name. It's time for it to move away, by the way. But even during this pandemic, the devil has not been able to stop the church. Amen? He can't stop the church. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're the church here in this room. The mission of the church is really simple. We do a lot of things. We are to worship God. Thank you to the worship band this morning and the singers. It brings us into a place of, wor- of being ready for the word. We worship. We minister to each other. But the mission is we are to go with the gospel. Go here and around the world with the gospel. God gave us a pretty clear strategy. We don't need to come up with a strategy like Coca-Cola. They've done a really good job, haven't they, of going worldwide. Missionaries report that they can go into the most remote village where Jesus has not been preached, but you can get a Coca-Cola. So it's a global strategy, but friends, it's a global command. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen? So, Lusaka is your Jerusalem. And maybe the outer areas of the nation, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. I'm part of an organization that we, we want all of Africa to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. And when that happens, we're getting closer to that scripture. Jesus says that when this gospel of the kingdom is preached, when this gospel of the kingdom is preached to the whole world, then I will come. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're the church. We know what the mission of the church is. Whatever you're going through. What, why, whatever reason you're here, whatever your circumstances is, maybe you came here because I just I always come to church or maybe I needed to be with God's people. Maybe you're saying that, uh, maybe you're saying, well, I'm just in trouble right now. My life's in trouble. You don't know what's going on in my life. Friends, Jesus changes everything. Maybe you're here and you go, well, my life doesn't need changing. I'm actually doing really well. Well, good. Good for you. 
But Jesus says it doesn't matter what's going on in our temporary life right here. We all have to come to a place where we submit our lives fully to Jesus. So you might be saying, how do I get out of this mess? What about COVID? I have fear and anxiety. What about those that are hurting that are here? Well, today I'm going to give all of us an opportunity. It's not really my invitation, but God's invitation for you to say, okay, God, I'm fully yours. Even as I sit here in the church, prepare me to go outside these walls. It reminds me of an American gospel song, actually. If you listen to these words, this is an old song, but he got it right. He said, I was blind, or maybe I just didn't want to see how foolishly I had tried to build my own destiny. But all my well-constructed plans failed me time and time again. So my heart broken came to him with empty hands. That's when Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. There's joy overflowing. There's, there's joy overflowing. I'm forgiven and free for Jesus changed everything. I was filled with pain and guilt, but now I know his peace. The chains of yesterday have now been released. The bitterness I once knew, the anger that's inside me grew, they were all washed away because Jesus, come on, Jesus changes everything. Well, who is Jesus? Friends, I feel like he's been redefined. I'd like, I would ask you to pray for our nation, the United States. We've been a nation that has always said, in God we trust, and we've been a Judeo-Christian nation. But our nation has come under attack in the last, last so many years. And there's many that will say, oh yeah, well, of course I believe in Jesus. I believe he existed. He's a great man, great teacher, no different than the Muslim teaching. These, these things are happening within the church. But they'll say, I like his principles. Yes, but who was he? What did Jesus teach? He spoke of holiness and yet forgiveness. He spoke of mercy and yet justice. He spoke of being separated and set apart as his followers. Many crowds gathered to follow Jesus when he walked the earth. Many do today. Why were the crowds there? Some of the crowds were there because maybe they wanted a healing. You know, as Jesus walked along on the earth, he would simply ask people, they would come up to him and, and he would say, what is it that you want me to do? And maybe it was a healing, whatever it was, and he would do it. He walked in that authority, that power position. He was never on the way to do ministry. He was always doing ministry. He modeled it for us. But some would gather and look from a distance, maybe just watching and wondering because there was a crowd. Some were critical, looking for what he might say or do wrong. Some were just fans, but his true followers, his disciples and those closest to him, they were convinced that he was indeed God in human form. Remember, he asked his disciples, he said, who do the, who do the people say that I am? Jesus said, and they said, well, he said, well, some say, they went into his, some say you're maybe John the Baptist, you know, come back, or Elijah or one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter looked and he said, you are the Christ, the anointed one, which means the son of the living God. See, many today, like the early disciples, 
were willing to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. They lost their lives following Jesus, and many do today. When I was in Pakistan and I said that to them, by the way, I then asked if any wanted to surrender to Jesus. And in that big field that was in this soccer-enclosed area, over 5,000 people came forward. They had, they had guards that were like hitting them with sticks. I said, open the, open the gates, let them come. And I said this, I said, this is going to be hard for many of you. But then the Lord convicted me and said, you have no idea how hard it's going to be. Many of them would be rejected by their family. Many of them would lose their job. Many could be persecuted, but they said yes to Jesus. See, he's our only hope, friend. Jesus is our only hope in this life and the next. He provides joy and peace and meaning in this life, and he gives us eternal life in heaven. That's our home. He said he would never, never leave us alone. Today is April 24th. 5th, 2021. We even measure time by Jesus. So I speak to some of the other people in other religions. I go, what's the date today? Oh, it's April 25th, 2021 AD, Anno Domini. That's 2021 years after Jesus. That's how our calendars are set up. But friends, you can't just know about him. You can't just know about Jesus. You have to know him. And to experience peace and meaning in life, you have to experience Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 4 and talk about two different types of people that experience Jesus. As This is the first one. John chapter 4, it says in verse 7, there was a woman of Samaria... There came a woman to draw water at the well. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And it says his disciples had left him, the next verse. They had gone away to get some food. And uh, just like them, they were like, Let's, you know, we got to go find, we're in a new village, just find something to eat. And so he was alone with this woman. The Samaritan woman, verse 9, said, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jews... Felt like in those days the Samaritans were unclean. They were a people group that they were prejudiced against. And they would walk around Samaria even and avoid it. But Jesus walks right up. And she said, uh, and he said, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would not have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, I have nothing to draw with the water. The well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? You who gave us the well and drank of it himself, Jacob did, and his sons and his cattle. And Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst again. But the water I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to her, this water, so I will not be thirsty nor come uh, all the way here to draw. See, she's still, he's still having a conversation with her and she's still trying to figure this out. So Jesus looks at her heart because he could perceive her heart. And he says, go, go call your husband and come back to the well. 
She answered, I have no husband. He says, you're right. For the one whom you are with now is not your husband. You have had five husbands. She says, I perceive you're a prophet. Some people think Jesus is a prophet. She said, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place that we ought to worship. See, she's starting to change the subject now. Hey, we're now it's about worship, right? Jesus said, woman, believe me, listen to this, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. And then 23, for an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Amen? The time is here when he's looking for true worshipers to worship him in spirit and truth. And the time is here. The kingdom of God is here. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in truth. She goes on to talk about, I know the Messiah is coming. In verse 26, Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Now what happens after this? This woman is overcome by the Spirit of God. She recognizes the truth in Jesus. She goes back to the village. Now, you know in the village, she does not have a good reputation. She's had five husbands, and she's living with a man who's not her husband. But somehow, this woman goes back, and because of the transformation in her, because Jesus changes everything, she goes back, and most of the village is changed. She comes back and she says, I spoke to a man who told me everything about myself. And she's overjoyed. The joy of the Lord fills you when you're full of his Holy Spirit. Then Jesus says at the end of this chapter, or the end of these verses, verse 35, after his disciples come back and they're talking about food still. (laughs) And he says, the food I have, you know nothing of. They've missed everything that's just happened. The transformation with this woman's life. And then he says this, and I say this to all of us here in the church. Jesus says, do not say there's yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look into the fields for they are white with harvest. Already, He who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. And friends, that's what we're doing today. We're rejoicing together for what God is doing all over the world. What God did in Livingston was nothing short of a miracle. Thousands came each night. Maybe 40,000 people impacted over seven days. And each night, hundreds Maybe thousands, because only the ones that we know of, we wrote their names down and prayed over. But many, God pierced their hearts. And when Jesus changes people's lives, cities can change. Communities can change. Schools, the workplace can change. Families can change. Countries can change. Jesus encounters another person. As we look back to John chapter 3, this was a religious person. See, this woman was not a religious person. She was a broken person, right? But now Jesus encounters a religious person. See, Jesus speaks to the broken person, and he speaks to the religious person. He speaks to the worldly successful person, as well as the person who might be struggling and have a low image 
But this person comes to him in chapter 3. Um, Nicodemus is his name. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing, but he looked and he said, Master, we know that you are sent from God, for how could someone do all of these miracles? A person of another religion might say, we know that Jesus is a great prophet, but then he says this. He said, Master, Jesus, how can someone have eternal life? And maybe some of you in the church know the story. Jesus looked at him, this religious leader who highly educated, highly religious, and he says, you must be born again. You must be born again. Friends, some of you in this church maybe need to be born again. Maybe you're like me. I grew up in a church as a religious kid. I was doing the right things. I even rebelled against my family because I said, my family, they're really sinful. And my father, he drinks a lot. He's an alcoholic. I'm not going to be like that. I'm a religious kid. I'm a good boy. But after I was married, my wife was in a Bible study with other believers. And one night she said, you know, when we get to heaven, won't it be glorious? And I said, how can you know you're going to heaven? <laughs> we're not good enough to go to heaven. She said, what is wrong with you? Of course we're not good enough to go to heaven. We don't go to heaven because we're good enough. We go to heaven because Jesus shed his blood on a cross. If we submit to him and receive him, we are forgiven of our sins and we have peace on this earth and we have assurance of eternal life. Amen? Amen? So it's not about being religious. Yes, <laughs> it's not about being religious. And Jesus says to him, Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Friends, Jesus changes everything. If you're poor and alone, Jesus is there for you. If you're rich and alone, Jesus is there for you. If you're single, if you're married, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes your past life by forgiving you. Jesus changes your, new, your present life by replacing it with a new life. He changes your future. If you have a drinking problem or a drug problem or an addiction, he can set you free. If you're struggling with marriage or family issues, Jesus can heal that. He can heal you. He can minister to you. Even in the case of a loved one dying of COVID, Jesus can minister to you and he can protect you. God is sovereign. He has a plan over all of us. We should not walk in fear or anxiety, for we do not walk as the world. Jesus is here. He changes everything. He's here for you, your church, his church. I've seen all over the world, I've seen marriages healed. I've seen people's lives healed. I've been, seen people set free from addictions. I've seen people who are under, they have been uh, victims of abuse, but God's a God of justice and he has been with them and freed them from that. In my own life, I said I've been married almost 45 years, right? Well, when we first got married, remember I was this prideful young business guy then and uh, a religious kid until God humbled me. But I said to my wife, I said, follow me, we'll do well. I said, let's see, in two years and nine months, we should have children. <laughs> uh, yeah, our plans. Nine years later, we're still waiting for children. 
And the doctors told us, medically, you can never have children. And in fact, most of the problem is with you, Alan. You will not be able to have children, you and your wife. So after nine years of waiting and praying, we prayed to the Lord one night. I'll never forget this prayer. We got down on our knees and we said, Lord, I know that in your word, in Psalm 37, you tell us, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Father God, you know that our desire is to have children. But then this was the hard part. We said, but God, if it's not your will, if it's not your will for some reason for us not to have children, then please take away the desire. One week later after that prayer, we adopted a beautiful baby girl. We named her Bethany Joy, right? Okay, but then not long after that, <laughs> my wife was announced as being pregnant. And yes, I'm the father, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. and then not long after the birth of that girl, her name was Sarah Faith, then my wife was pregnant again. And then Rochelle Hope was born. So we had three little girls, two, one, and newborn, all babies, Oh, it was a busy time. <laughs> and now those girls, so it was me and four women in our house. Pray for me, men. That's another conference on a men's conference on marriage. <laughs> but now those girls are grown. They're, two of them are married. I have, I have uh, two son-in-laws who are okay too, right? So they had to go through the test to get through me to get to my daughters. But, and I have five grandchildren Four girls, one boy. Isn't God good? Yeah. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's invitation. Even though you're in a church, you might be saying, oh, I'll be okay. I, I, I'll be okay. I know I believe in God. I'll be okay. It'll be okay. But friends, until you fully submit to Jesus, until you fu fully surrender your entire heart to him, you'll still struggle through life and it won't have peace and meaning. You see, some people say this, and I hear this at some of the crusades. They're like, why does it have to be Jesus? <laughs> I mean, why, I believe in God. Why does it have to be Jesus? It's because he is the only solution to connect us to God because of our sin. You know that God created everything he created the heaven and the earth, and yet then the original people, Adam and Eve, sinned, and now there's brokenness in the world, and we are separated from the Father because of that original sin. And so our destination, our default destination is a place of hell and eternal suffering, but God doesn't want people to go to hell. So he said, because of my great love, even though there's been sin throughout all these generations, you know, and then we came up with all sorts of things. God came up with the Ten Commandments. Here's a way to live. And yet we could not keep the Ten Commandments. He challenged people on the Ten Commandments. The rich young ruler said, oh, I've obeyed the Ten Commandments. Really, Jesus said, you know, have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Then you have broken the commandments and you're guilty before a perfect, righteous, and holy God. So God in his love said, how can I fix this gap between my people? I'll send my son. Actually, I'll walk in a human body, an earth suit. And he'll walk the earth, and then he will die and take on all the punishment for the entire world. 
for your sin and my sin, our sins past, present, and future. And when God did that, it, it breaks our chains. He can change our destination from a place called hell to a place called heaven and give us peace and meaning here on this earth. I remember when I was in Egypt a few years ago. Some of you remember the news. In Egypt back in, I think it was 2015 or 2016, there was a lot of persecution of Christians happening. And in fact, it made worldwide news that they lined some followers of Jesus up on the beach and beheaded them. And so I got to visit after that, and I'm visiting with a Christian in a secure office, and I said, this is terrible. What, what can I tell the church in America? What, what can I tell the church around the world? We, we want to stand with you. What should we do? I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me, and he said, oh, well, well don't pray for the persecution to stop he said, God is using us at this time in history. He said, many hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Muslims are coming to Christ because they've seen how we've responded in this time. Friends, I, I wasn't able to understand that kind of commitment, but that was because they understood the love of Jesus that was driving them. He, amen. See, Jesus changes everything. Say it with me. Jesus changes everything. He changes our life from a, a religion to a relationship. The early disciples were fishermen. One more story. Can I share one more story? This is not a story. This is from the Bible. But in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, when he calls the first followers, I always like this because, again, I found out when I was broken and that all I was was a religious kid separated from God then I said, how could God use me? Other than that, I'm just a pretty ordinary guy. I don't have lots of, at that time, seminary degrees, lots of college. And um, so I was reminded of that when I look at Matthew chapter 4. I'll just tell the story quickly. It says that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, for they were fishermen and they were casting their nets. And he said to them, you follow me. And, and they did, right? I mean, they left their jobs. And then it says he goes on from there. Uh, he saw two other brothers, James and John, his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them and he immediately, they left their nets and their boats and followed him. Now think about this picture. Picture this in your mind. It's not as if Jesus was standing up on the shore going, I've been watching you boys. Yeah, you know, you, you have uh, good grades. You have uh, college, Bible college degrees. Your work references are good. Uh, you, you're, you, when you filled out the application, it looked good. So, and your references check out. You're now qualified to be my followers. No, friends. He just said, you follow me. You follow me. See, he doesn't call us to follow some big organization or even a movement or, or even a, a church. It's, just, it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. He just calls us to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. And in some versions of the Bible, it says they dropped their nets and followed him. So here's my question. 
What is it in your life today that you need to drop to be fully devoted to Jesus or to move to that next place? For me, it was brokenness even after we had had children and we saw that miracle of God. Later in life, I was a business guy trying to accomplish everything. Even though I was a Christian, I went on a missions outing into another place and God spoke to me and said, take the church outside the walls. And after that, he called me to start a great big crusade festival ministry. Maybe it's something small he's calling you to do. Maybe it's something large. Maybe it's a vision for this community or this nation, but he's speaking to each of us about doing something. As I get ready to close, I want you to stand with me. Again, because of who it is that we're worshiping. Now I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. Now I want you to imagine that story that I just told you. Imagine that Jesus is walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he's looking at those disciples and saying, you follow me. Now I want you to imagine that he's walking here in this church. He's walking up and down the aisles and he's looking right at you. And whatever your name is, fill your name is. He's calling you by name. You, Mary, Jane, John, James, Josh, whatever your name is. He's saying, follow me. Now, friends, open your eyes. He is here. He's here in the power of his Holy Spirit. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. And when we put our faith and trust in him, he gives us peace and eternal life. Would you bow in prayer with me now? You see, the gospel is simply this, and I want to ask maybe the worship band to prepare to come back up or maybe a final song. The gospel is simply this. God came to earth in the form of his son, Jesus. And because of our sin, he says, if we ask forgiveness, Jesus will forgive us. If we turn from our sin and follow after him, he will make us clean. And then he says, all we have to do is receive him. The Bible says to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Maybe you've prayed this before, maybe not. Maybe this is the first time you're saying, yes, I need to be born again. Maybe this is now real to you, even if you've grown up in the church. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. You just repeat it out loud or silently, but if it's the desire of your heart, you say this prayer with me. God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I confess my sin to you right now. Jesus, I want to turn from my sin. And I want to follow only you. 
I ask you to come into my heart and into my life and be my Lord and Master. Thank you for giving me eternal life. And I prayed all of this because of the precious blood that you shed on the cross. Now, if you prayed that prayer, and as we say amen, I want you to just lift your hands, leave your eyes closed, but lift your hands all over this place. Yeah, leave, lift them high so I can pray over you. Go ahead and lift them high. We're not embarrassed to say we're followers of Jesus. Thank you. He sees every one of those hands. Now, I want to speak to you that have your hands lifted. If this is the first time it's become real for you, tell someone. There's a loving staff here of pastors and followers of Jesus who would love to pray with you and talk about what's next. Maybe the other prayer is I complete this prayer. Lord, you're speaking to me. I'm like those early fishermen uh, who dropped their nets. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord, I'm yours. I want a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. I want to obey what you're calling me to do. I love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, God bless each and every one of you. Let's give a hand to the Lord. And if you need prayer, we'd love to pray over you, but I'll turn the service over to um, the worship team to celebrate and uh, to Pastor Joshua. Thank you so much. While we are still standing, before we sit down, we are at that place. And choir, there's still space on the cross. You can do that in the background. We've just said, yes, Lord.